Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Formulas and One Jackass podcast. This is episode three we're on right now, triple the amount of episodes that uh, we started with. So I'm Ryan, and as always, I'm joined by my partner in crime. I'm Christopher, and yeah, thank you so, so much for listening, guys. Follow us on all the social media. Ryan will get into that at the end. But uh, yeah, good to have you guys back. Uh, we're heading into the race at Imola now, the Emilio-Romagna Grand Prix. So uh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and as I mentioned uh, last uh, episode, uh, please get in touch uh, with your feedback and your question. Uh, we actually have a question right now uh, asked by uh, Retnas Iluch, uh, which goes as follows. So, Christopher, the question to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mick Schumacher, Michael's son, mm-hmm. why did he sign at Haas? Uh, didn't all the other team have an interest in signing him? Well, first of all, he's a Ferrari junior. Obviously, that's linked uh, because of his father being, you know, big for Ferrari, winning five championships for them. Um, So there was probably a seat open, or not open, but there was talk about him joining either Alfa Romeo or Haas, um, since the Ferrari team is already occupied. And, you know, you need to be proven before you can get there. Um, And I think at Alfa Romeo, they have a good lineup as they do right now. Um, Giovinazzi has improved a lot, I'd say. He's become more consistent and he's on a similar pace as Kimi. I think Kimi, even though he's been in F1 for a long time, he's either underrated or overrated. I don't think people really get his his, his true um, strength. Like He has some, some amazing drives, but he's solid. And there's always this rumor that he helps develop the car. I don't know how much truth there is to that. Um, but yeah, Alfa Romeo, they, they have a solid lineup. It would be too risky to maybe change that. They're in a tight midfield race as well. So possibly um, not ideal. Um, with Haas, they were looking to get a complete new image change, right? Um, Cochon and Magnussen both out. And so they also had a chance to get new sponsors. And when with uh, Urelchem and Mazepin joining in, they were also poaching a lot of German companies. We saw in Drive to Survive uh, with Eins plus Eins, for instance, um, think it made sense like i would have ideally loved to see him in the alfa romeo i think that would have been a better environment for him to get up to speed to see if he'd be worthy of driving for ferrari one day for instance because that's so hard to say yet he did an amazing job in his junior career but um still a bit unproven uh i don't think the Haas will be a good team for him to start though but uh, he's in f1 now he brings in a lot of marketing and a lot of money so yeah i think Haas are happy for that yeah, fantastic. So if you also would want to uh, ask a question for us to answer, um, let us know. Let us know who you want to answer it as well. And uh, we'll, we'll feature it uh, next episode or in our future episodes. So don't forget to send them in. Yeah, we can't answer them in a previous episode, unfortunately. So only future ones. And if we are able to, please send me the lottery number too. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, cool, cool. So let's uh, let's get cracking, Christopher. Mm-hmm. Um, let's. I actually wanted to start this podcast um, to talk about the drivers in Formula One this season that we haven't talked about previously. So we we've talked about the um, the headlines uh, as well as the the drivers who didn't necessarily make the headlines, but there's twenty this season. And we haven't talked about uh, or elaborately talked about a couple of them. So let's give them some spotlight as well. Let's talk about uh, Antonio Giovanazzi. You want to take lead? 
Yeah, because that's it's hard to talk about uh, Giovinazzi because oftentimes in races he's not very visible, right? He's done some clumsy mistakes in his past, like noticeably in his first race, or mm. was it the first session he spun in China? I think his, it was his first race. The Sauber, he right? Was, he was replacing, uh, I believe it was Erline because of an accident. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but that I just remember seeing that and thinking, that's clumsy. In hindsight now, looking back at his uh, GP2 season, him and Gasly had some amazing battles and he really was on it. And we see that Giovinazzi uh, mainly last year and this year. It's just that the car is just nowhere near where it should be. And that's also why Alpha has kept him because early last year, I would have said, you know, Giovinazzi has tried, put him in another car or out of F1, get someone else in, maybe Schwartzman, uh, Schumacher, some other Ferrari, like Eilat as well, could have gotten into that car, you know, to get them up to speed. But I see where they're getting at now, uh, to keep him maybe for a couple of more years. And then once Kimi retires, they can maybe get another driver in alongside Giovinazzi. Um, that would be that would be a good balance. But it, it's hard to say because, like, name one race where he really stood out in F1. And I can't. That's true. And that's part of the... I wouldn't say problem, but there is a sort of an invisibility issue that Giovinazzi has where at the end of the day, if you look at last season, the season before, the results on paper, he pretty much matched Kimi Raikkonen towards the, exactly. the, Surpassed the end, him as well. Exactly. Towards the end half of the of the season, he was, you know, out qualifying Kimi, out racing Kimi. So in terms of points scored, they were equal. So if you look at the results have pretty good results except no yeah. one really remembers because firstly he's a he's a he's a nice and timid guy you know he's yes. not on the forefront um he has nice personal conversations but again it's not very memorable the, no, i would but, have to well, really look back to to remember so it's not in his personality nor does he really take charge uh because there is opportunity you know that kimi raikin hates the spotlight he can avoid any media event so I was actually watching the Alfa Romeo team launch that happened in Poland because of their their title sponsor. Orlen, yeah. It was actually uh, Robert Kubica taking the taking the spotlight and answering the questions and doing what needs to be done in order to have visibility for the team and the drivers. Where if if um, Antonio Giovinazzi truly took that spotlight, cemented his place as a future world star and a number one driver then there wouldn't even be questions of him being replaced by Mick Schumacher, which we saw in Drive to Survive. That was an actual thing. Um, if you haven't seen it already, please do so. Here's going to be a spoiler, so skip past for the next maybe minute. If you haven't watched you Drive haven't to Survive watched or watched Last Race, it's all going to be spoilers. We're talking about things that have happened in F1, so exactly. it's not like a movie review, you know? Exactly, so get with the program. Anyways, yeah. so on that episode, we had Mick Schumacher sort of shadowing the team um, for the entire weekend, the Alfa Romeo team. Everyone sort of expecting that, okay, he's in, because he was in contention for a seat. Yeah. And the question was, is Kimi Raikkonen going to retire or are they going to replace Antonio Giovinazzi with Mick Schumacher? Yeah. So if, if Giovinazzi took charge of the situation, truly owns his result, be more outspoken and visible, there wouldn't be a question whether he would be I think, replaced. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I, I watched a couple of interviews from that launch as well that you mentioned uh, in Poland. And some of the answers he gave was, it, it seemed like he was a rookie, you know? He is very timid. 
But then again, I also feel like he should be allowed to be that as a person, like his personality, as the way he comes across. He seems like a very, very genuine, nice person. And I don't think F1 drivers usually are that. Like they can exactly, sometimes be very, very tough and Exactly, because they don't, they don't say like nice macho, guys you know? finish last. Yeah, but he doesn't finish last. Boah, okay. Boah. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about the next driver because uh, I wanted to talk a bit about Bottas. Okay. Because here's a driver that is Valtteri extremely Bottas. underrated. Huh? Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri Bottas. Bottas. So yeah, uh, no, what Valtteri is extremely underrated. He has his off weekends. There are times in the races where he's not really on it as uh, Lewis is. And I think Lewis can drive around problems easier than, than Bottas can. And we saw Bottas in the Williams. He was he was really quick on his day. Um, in fact, I, I, I saw Bottas at the um, Formula 3 Masters at Zandvoort when he raced Formula 3. It, yeah. um, he went there twice, won twice. That particular weekend was his second, uh, um, second race, uh, second time at Zandvoort. Just completely blew the competition away. Yeah, there I was mean, no question who got Paul, who had the race win. So he started from pole, drove away, no question whatsoever. And, I mean, him and, and Ricardo had a fierce rivalry, mm. right, in the junior categories. And it's so interesting to see and so much well was written about him. And right up until the point that he got the Mercedes seat, everyone was talking about Bottas, right? Yeah. And now he's there. He's done an amazing job. It's just that his teammate is Lewis Hamilton-like. Um, what, what do you expect? What his goals are going to be for this season is just do what he's always done. Because Mercedes have won the championship um, ever since 2014, right? Bottas is part of that. He's been doing well. Maybe take a couple of more wins of Hamilton. Uh, but Hamilton is clearly the one, the, te- the the guy that the team supports. They want him to win the championship. I mean, yeah, why he's doing s- a great job at, at that. At the same time, it also we have to remember he's a sportsman. He's a competitive guy. And yeah. you don't get the chance to drive a world championship contending car yes. just like that. And he's yeah, absolutely. So he, of course, he's not a number two driver in his eyes. It, it, it hurts. He's not a wingman. He is competitive. He works so hard on himself. But at the end of the day, he needs to deliver the results. Yeah, but the team is also treating him as a wingman. So, like, it's hard to get out of that role when the team has already decided that you're going to be the wingman to to Hamilton. That's just how it is. They might not say that out publicly, but obviously that's what's going on. That's the smartest way to to go about it. Imagine Bottas and Hamilton, let's say that they were equal on talent, fighting it out, losing points. And then here comes 2007 Kimi Raikkonen. Whoop, takes the title remember like that's the kind of situation you don't yeah, want you don't want Hamilton Alonso in a team going crazy at, it, at each other it's it's good for the fans so don't get me wrong that's what I would love to see but from a team's perspective it doesn't make sense so clearly they have a driver that supports another it just happens to be Bottas in this case and, and he's doing an amazing job at that he wants more and he can do more um but yeah what what would you expect of him what would if you I were agree. to say his season I, was successful I, I agree because the, the like part of the reason why Bottas was was um signed by Mercedes was because they wanted a completely different situation what they had in 2016 and before that oh, when yeah, exactly. they had Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg fighting for the world championship and just having a, a very negative atmosphere and vibe where the two drivers were at war with each other. And 
Valtteri Bottas being signed by Mercedes, not only because of his talent, because because of talent he is there. Uh, he drives for our, for a top team. But secondly, it would give a completely different vibe and atmosphere in the team, uh, which is more manageable, which then creates the, the situation and environment for Lewis Hamilton to become champion. Yeah, and imagine like Ferrari, when they were close up at Mercedes, like 2000, well, 17, 18 and 19, right? When Ferrari could have had a chance. Mm. Imagine if the Mercedes boys were like fighting it out every race it could have been a Ferrari championship. So good for F1, good for Ferrari. But for Mercedes, that would not have been a smart decision. Like, he's been doing well in the season where it's been tight. Bottas have proven that he can be that part of the team that makes them win the championship. And, like, he should be really proud of what he's done. Like, honestly, he's had some really good drives. And on Saturday, he's pretty spectacular. At the same time, you do expect more results from him. So there are seasons where if Lewis didn't win then Bottas should be winning. Yes, I and agree. And more often than not, it didn't really happen. And yeah. last season was just the, just that example and just the case. Um, we had new winners in form of Sergio Perez and Pierre Gasly, which is fantastic. But at the same time, you know, if Max Verstappen wins a race, if Pierre Gasly wins a race, if Sergio Perez wins a race, you have to question, why didn't Valtteri Bottas win that race? Yes. I agree. If we see another season like last year with Bottas, um, then I would start to ask more questions. Uh, I do feel like last year was a bit of a off year for for Valtteri. Um, yeah. So so let's see. I mean, because we can, if he if he can do better than last year, hmm? we don't have the patience to witness Valtteri three point Valtteri four point Valtteri five point After five point it should be done and dusted. Time for new talent. Yes. No. Yeah. But let's see what happens at Mercedes. Uh, who knows the rumor I mean I've heard a rumor saying that they would like to sign Gasly and have Russell in the team at some point which Mm -hmm. I never thought about Gasly going to Mercedes but him and Russell that would would be interesting that would be very exciting yeah I mean proven talent you have Mm -hmm. a race winner in that case Mm -hmm. Uh, Russell unfortunate to to miss out on the Saki Compli he was on fire that weekend yeah that was his weekend that's what I will remember it for but uh what I remember, of course, is his reaction uh, after the race. Uh, we can see how human Formula One is, how 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 raw and emotional Formula yeah. One can be. You saw heartbreak on the screen, on his face, and in my heart. Yeah. Uh, no PowerPoint he, presentation can, you know, put that into words. Yeah. So, yeah, it's this season, uh, rather the end of the season, uh, where contracts expire. Mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas, uh, George Russell as well. So we're 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 in for a we're in for a treat, perhaps. Uh, if Lewis stays, I would re-sign Bottas. It's a proven. It's it's like okay, it's not good for F one, but the Mercedes are not thinking like that. They shouldn't think like that. That's it would be wrong for Mercedes to think like that. So if if Lewis stays, Bottas stays. If they decide to get Russell in next to Lewis. Yeah, that would be really interesting for us F1 fans. But uh, maybe not the smartest uh, decision from Mercedes HQ. Cool. Speaking of George Russell's teammate, uh, Nicolas Latifi, um, we haven't spoken a lot about him. Uh, There's not much to talk about. uh, We we touched on, you know, rich fathers, paid drivers, paying their way into Formula One. Um, His father, Michael Latifi, 
uh, becoming a shareholder in the McLaren group. But McLaren have assured that that, uh, that investment is not conditional on um, his son getting a, a race seat at the team, uh, which was uh, important for them to, to, to stress. Um, Nikos Latifi getting on with his job. Uh, I, w- I read a statistic yeah. the other day, last season, that had it not been for George Russell's outing in the Mercedes, where he scored points then Latifi probably would have finished ahead of him in the championship standings yes. due to more uh, yeah, two 11th places, three yeah. 11th place finishes. It, it, so Solid. Solid. So you are first and foremost compared to your teammate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the results on black and white in paper. So because of uh, George Russell's outing in the Mercedes last season, he scored points and he finished ahead of his teammate. And of course, we're going into hypotheticals here, but had that not happened, but we don't also don't know what George Russell would have done in the Williams in the Sakia Grand Prix, uh, whether he uh, on merit managed to finish in the points, uh, much like he was on track to do at Imola last year in the Williams before he uh, spun out uh, during the safety car session, which was uh, unfortunate and also kind of, um, yeah... Childlike. He's a young talent. He is like, a young they, talent. They yeah. make mistakes it's, it's a it's a teething sort of growing pains. It is. Yeah. And plus the Williams is a it's a hard car to drive. Yeah. But like just just to talk a bit about Latifi, he's 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 doing solid. Like if I was Williams, I would keep him for now. His uh, GP two or F two years. Um, Word stellar. Not, not, I mean, not ex- stellar. I've, I've I've got some statistics, but the the Nothing question is the question is, and I've mentioned to this uh, this to you in in conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. to yourself that we truly do not know the the actual performance level of the Williams car so we have George Russell nicknamed Mr. Saturday because he managed to get his car into Q2 more often than not on a, on a qualifying weekend on the Saturday and is that um, George Russell outperforming the car performance or is the car good because we have to take his teammate as a sort of basis and we truly don't know or can gauge the, the true performance level of Nicolas Latifi because we haven't seen a lot of him. He hasn't really delivered the results. So is George Russell outdriving the car or is he performing at the car's level and Latifi is not able to, to go up to that performance level, you know? I think on Saturdays, Russell outperforms not only the car but some of the other drivers in the grid. Like he he does because he is a great talent. That's what he does. In the races, I think Russell is pretty much, you know, on it, a bit outperforming the car if that's even like a proper thing to say. And Latifi is doing solidly. It's not like when Russell had Kupica as a teammate. Kupica unfortunately didn't perform as well and it was clear to see. He had some moments of brilliance. But Latifi, like Giovanazzi, goes under the radar. You don't really see much of him in the race. But he does solidly. And in the right conditions, I think Latifi would have brought some points for Williams. And maybe that would have helped him beat Haas. Like, I wouldn't change that for now. I think, um, yeah, of course, if an amazing great talent comes up in Formula 2 and and Williams gets the chance to sign them, they should probably do that. But... If that's not the case, and Latifi brings in money, um, and he's yeah, like I said, two eleven places in the Williams last year, it's it's a solid result. Well, with with Williams getting new owners, 
Uh, we don't know the exact level of commitment and investment that the new owners are able to to bring, but if uh, in the next Volkswagen few now involved yeah, if, in a way, if in the next uh, couple of years investment is not an issue anymore, where they need that sponsorship level and from a driver coming in, then the question is, would they retain him over the next couple of years? Of course, uh, Jost Capito being the, the CEO at Williams mm-hmm. uh, now, um, had a, a very, very short stint with McLaren previously, which mm-hmm. uh, didn't work out. And before that, being at uh, Volkswagen, involved in their racing program. So yeah, the onus is on uh, Nicolas Latifi to perform in the next couple of seasons. Okay. F1 started out as a rich man sport with rich men making their own cars, driving them around. And then people talk about talent and all this. And I agree, there should be, no matter your background, you should be able to get an F1 if you're fast enough and determined enough, you know, all these things we talked in the past. Uh, But it's not like that. If I was rich and my son was going racing and I could afford to put him in an F1 car, I would do it. If my dad could have done that with me, I would be happy. And if that then gets me haters, that's just, yeah, too bad. But that's the world we live in. It's called capitalism. You know, it's just before or against that. That's a whole nother discussion, another podcast. But maybe we should start a podcast about that. <laughs> Perhaps. So speaking of um, one of the, the robber barons, or rather one of the, the titans of capitalism, mm-hmm. Carlos Slim. Oh, yes. Who is... Of course, the the main backer of Mexican driver Sergio Perez, who in 2020 was booted out of Lance Stroll's team to make way for four-time world champion um, Sebastian Vettel. Uh, when he was confirmed that he was booted out, he 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 had a fantastic season. He put in some solid performances. Um, Let's not forget he, he rescued COVID the well. team. He rescued yeah, the team. That as well. He's the one who yeah. made it possible for Lawrence to enter in and buy the team, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that sort of accumulated to his his race win at the Sakura Grand Prix, which I can be happier about. Yeah. Uh, well deserved. Fantastic. Which which ended up um, sealing his his move to to Red Bull Racing, uh, one of the top teams in Formula One, and with him given a. Uh, an opportunity to truly show what he can do in in machinery um having driven for all the incarnations of force india uh since so racing points force india having uh driven at mclaren having a single season at mclaren partnering jensen button but we could talk about that season because I, I want to actually at some point that's yeah. a really interesting yeah. season yeah and um by his standards, he he being the the first to admit that he wasn't quite ready. He was too young for that opportunity. Uh, being a uh, a Ferrari uh, academy driver um, before that, and he wanted to go to a top team immediately. That was just his hunger and his ambition. Uh, went to McLaren, which at the time uh, was a top team, but it just didn't work out for him. Stayed one season, then went on to Force India. Uh, as well as uh, having some great performances in the in the Sauber, um, with uh, yeah, stellar drives there. Kamui Kobayashi as his teammate. So yeah. he's been around for a long time. He has that experience, and now this season has the 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 opportunity to show truly what he can do in a in a race winning car. Um, it's not a race winning car yet because the car hasn't won a race yet, nope. 
but it was about 0.7 seconds away from doing so. His weekend, or rather last weekend, last race, uh, starting off qualifying um, was... Well, his, his qualifying performance didn't manage to make Q1. Um, being stuck in Q2, uh, not really taking, uh, taking the safe bet, uh, trying to definitely qualify for, for the last session using soft tires, being comfortable enough to, to uh, in the car performance and his ability to qu- attempt to qualify on the medium tires mm-hmm. and not doing so. Uh, on the way to the grid, having an electrical problem, so couldn't line up uh, on his grid. Almost spot. jumped out of the car, apparently, because yeah. he thought it was terminal. But, yeah, uh, it was done. So starting from the pit lane, um, and then we know what he can do around that track, eventually finishing fifth. Yeah, solid. Solid. But what we want to see and what we need to see from Sergio Perez this season, from Red Bull Racing in general, is to have two cars solidly at the front competing, snatching away points from Mercedes. And what I found really interesting is that I think Perez understands that coming into Red Bull, he's not going to be the number one driver. It is quite obvious that Max is going to be the number one driver. But Perez is happy to be there. He wants to support the team. And he's spoken very highly of Max Verstappen, which also is a, you know, it looks good on him to do that. Uh, But yeah, I think he's not going to try and be too forceful as he's been maybe in the past. He'll be a good support. uh, And I think he will he will shine when he gets the opportunity to do so when he can just unleash what he's good at. And once he gets to learn the car, if there are races where Max is not in focus, I think he will uh, he will do very well. I still I would still say the same about Albon. Um, but he just didn't really, yeah, it didn't really come together for him. But I, I still think he's also a bit underrated, to be honest. Yeah, but I think that's the um, Sergio Perez being hugely experienced already. So knows coming into a, a new team and a top team, knowing that he has to perform. Uh, his his pace and his uh, um, his approach the weekend was not conservative. Which no. we can't say about, like we've mentioned before, Carlos Sainz. That it was not a pro, uh, it was not uh, conservative. It was trying to get up to speed as soon as possible. And within the first couple of races, um, when we look at the results, the first race, we saw the same gap uh, to him that Albon had last year to Max. But there is this belief within himself, the team, and also myself that he will. Uh, get that gap closer and closer as the, the season progresses. Simply because of his experience, but also because of his, I don't know, his belief in himself. You know, like he can, he can, he can push it when he really needs to. He knows he's good. Like that's his, his confidence has, has been his one of his strengths, and uh, yeah, that will do him good at Red Bull. Um, at the same time, the onus is also on him to to deliver performances and results. Mm-hmm. Uh, to stay not only uh, at Red Bull uh, beyond this season, because we're not exactly sure how long his contract was. Is it a one-year deal? Or it is, is it a one-year deal. It is a one-year deal. It's a one-year deal. Yeah. So if he wants to stay there, he has to deliver because everyone, or rather the the driver grabbing the spotlight at the moment is Yuki Tsunoda. As, uh, I don't think that Tsunoda will be pushed into Red Bull by next year. No matter how good of a season Tsunoda has this year, I think Red Bull has learned their lesson. Like, don't 
force their young drivers into a position and then see them crash and burn. Like, no. they, they I think that's why they chose Perez as well. They could have chosen any other driver um, to partner alongside Max from the junior program, but they didn't. They went with someone safe. And I think they just... Well, we, we have to look at uh, the Red Bull junior program. Uh, because of COVID-19, the 2020 season wasn't a true accurate reflection as to what they wanted to achieve. You had uh, a driver like Yuri Vips, who over the, the past couple of years has been, you know, the, the prime talent, prime for Formula One, supposed to go to Super Super Formula in Japan, not being able to travel there because of all the restrictions and uh, then ended up doing a couple of races in Formula Two where, um, you know, it, it was a new car for him, new tires as well. So he is, still has to come to grips. Um, yes. with the car uh, being in Formula 2 this year as well. Um, on the other hand, Yuki Sonora completely grabbing that opportunity um, with both hands, uh, by the balls, and earning a promotion. And yeah. that sort of cements the meteoric rise that Yuki Sonora has experienced over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, debuting in Formula 1 with, like you said, much fanfare and much hype and much much spotlight have too much hype like i don't okay let's talk about yuki um we'll do it short because we'll do an episode that's a bit longer on yuki in the future but i think he's been overhyped i'm not saying that people are saying he's better than what he is he is general like genuinely really good but it's so hard to say after one race weekend that like it seems like already people are you know hyping him to the sky and i hope it's true and i think he he is really good and he is deserving of much of the hype but it's a bit too much i think uh yeah give him a couple of races well christopher i was i was the one who told you to keep an eye on this this, true. this guy in formula two uh when true. i saw something and i was proven wrong when i said back then that mm, don't see much in him and then you were right because it's not every weekend you see him on it uh, absolutely yet. but he's still within... young Within Junior Formula, it's you're looking for those flashes of brilliance, which you hope will convert in Formula One for, to consistent, uh, good performances. True. And it. But well, let's those... give him half a season at least. Like oh, it's, been it's been one you race. You know what I mean? Like I'm just saying, I I believe the hype. Let's be put it this way. I just feel that there's a bit too much going on about him after just one race. After, let's say, halfway through the season and people are still hyping him up for performances, that's great. Um, he might have had some off races and whatnot. And I'm sure the moment he has some off races, people are going to be extremely critical of him, which I also think is going to be too extreme. But mm -hmm. it's like that in F1. Um, yeah, he's, he's definitely marketable and AlphaTauri are doing a good job at that. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So we're going to see what he's going to do in Imola. Imola being the next race, um, I actually uh, research it. So it's going to be the the Pirelli Gran Premio del Made in Italy del Emilio uh, Romagna, Romagna Grand Prix. So, so the Gran Premio de exactly. Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. Yes. What? So it's the whole Made in Italy del Emilio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I mean, fair enough, whatever it's called. We're going it's to Imola. Let's call it Imola. That's what it is. San Marino Grand Prix. The Autoromo Enzo Edino Ferrari. Everyone knows where it is if you're an F1 fan. So it's, many uh, names. 
But yeah, uh, yeah going to Imola, uh, returning to Imola last year because of the COVID calendar. That was surreal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd missed Imola so much. And ever since they did the, the they renewed the start finish straight, right? Mm-hmm. They, the, the chicane at the end, they removed it and made it long. I'll be like, this is going to be so perfect for F1. I'm a bit scared because it is a quick corner. It's kind of, you know, a slow right-hander leading on to the start finish straight, going into a, well, a quick right-hander, sorry, and then a quick left-hander with the pit lane exit on the right-hand side, going into the Tamborello chicane. There's a lot of speed you can carry through there. So I was a bit worried. But what stood out to me during that race was not the lack of overtakings, but how big the cars are. Like... Mm. Yes, I remember yes. watching in last time was 2006. They were there, right? And yes. it looked normal or normal for, from my point of view. And F1 has evolved. The cars gotten longer. They've gotten bigger. But then suddenly seeing them back at Imola coming into a chicane and you're like, this this seems wrong. Like they've miniaturized the track or they've done something weird. It was it was a bit uh, off-putting. Like, well, let me let me paint a picture for you, Christopher, and, and for the listeners. Mm-hmm. So as you mentioned, we used to have the the San Marino Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Grand Prix held in Italy because we also went to Monza, which is mm-hmm. officially the the Italian Grand Prix. So um, this race, Imola being in Italy, was was named the San uh, San Marino Grand Prix. Last held in two thousand six, before uh, disappearing off the calendar, only to return because of COVID nineteen last year in twenty twenty. So. Uh, a driver returning to Imola is Fernando Alonso. And Fernando Alonso uh, yeah. has history at Imola. I know where you're going with this now. Both yeah, in yeah, 2006 yeah. and 2005, having fantastic battles with Mick's dad, Michael Schumacher. We we agreed to call him Mick's dad on this podcast. Um, Michael. 2005, Alonso coming ahead of Mick's dad. 2006, uh, 2006, Michael Schumacher winning the race. But that was a battle. That was one car directly in front of the other and not being able to pass because Imola is not is not known for an overtaking track. It's very difficult to overtake because it's very fast. Uh, it's dangerous with the amount of deaths we have there, but there are no natural overtaking uh, opportunities. And we no. saw this in, in 2005 and 2006 for the lead where the cars were so much smaller. And then going back to your point, where we saw the cars there last year, we see like half yachting boats going. It was around. a. Oh, sorry. It was a. It was a house coming down the the street, and you're like, "What is like?" It was so weird. Like you know the, the part going downhill after the 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 chicane at the top, um, you know, Aqua Minerali, then the chicane, then going downhill, quick right hand, and then into a left. Yep. At the end, where there's gravel at the end, and then mm-hmm. another left, uh, then going on to the start finish straight. Yeah, yeah, that is a good opportunity overtaking spot. But even then, the cars had a hard time following each other through that little bend because of the like. It, it's it's weird. It it looks like F1 has outgrown Imola. Well, I think F1 has outgrown itself to be honest. Because yeah, well, I mean, not LMP one F1. cars no, no, would no, have been more maneuverable around that track. Yeah, like I don't when you think, think about it, I don't think F1 has outgrown Imola. The cars have just yeah, that's what I mean. The cars the have size. outgrown themselves, like because yeah, Imola can be a fantastic track for some absolutely some racing. Uh, absolutely, just I'm just going to give you the results of the podium of 2006. Um, first winning Schumacher, Alonso, Montoya, Ferrari, Renault, McLaren. So that's also what we want to see 
in uh, this upcoming race, multiple teams being able to fight for the victory. Um, because uh, Mercedes having a very long wheelbase, it wouldn't necessarily suit the track at Imola. So no. we'd have, uh, and with their aero problems this season, perhaps that can also uh, play into the hands of other teams going, mm-hmm. um, uh, following a different aero philosophy. So we can expect to see Red Bull being very strong around Imola, much like I think they were we can expect Alpha Tauri to be strong simply because Faenza, uh, Italy, where their factory is. I don't know how far it is from Imola. It's not that far away. Um, they have done a lot of filming sessions there even last year. And this year, of course, they're going to get a little bit extra data. But not only that, the car looks so planted. And yeah, if Red Bull are going to have a good weekend there, which I think they will, then so will um, Alpha Tauri. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see this weekend. Um, yeah. Christopher, what is your eye on coming weekend? Who are you going to uh, keep track of? Tsunoda. Tsunoda. I, 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 to be honest, like I said, he's overhyped. That's not because of his skills. It's because of the media and people talking about him. Like we're doing it now as well. But I'm just saying, let's manage our expectations. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do on that track. Well, for me, we're going back to Italy. So the spotlight automatically goes back to Ferrari. Uh, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz. I think they could be in the mix. Yeah, I think so too. Potentially uh, finishing not at the front, but just behind. So putting their name in the hat for that midfield battle. Um, And I think this could be a a very interesting uh, track uh, and race for them, where both, if both drivers are switched on, we can see some excitement. Yeah, I think we're going to see Alpine struggle a bit. I think we're going to see Aston Martin struggle a bit. I think we're going to see Mercedes struggle a bit. Um, McLaren, I don't know, uh, solid midfield, but I think maybe Ferrari, like you said, uh, could outshine themselves on a track like this. Cool. So we're going to find out this weekend. Um, we were back after the, as Christopher mentioned, three long weeks. Mm. It felt like the winter break again. Completely. Um, but I mean, the weather has been like that. Yeah, but we don't know what the sunshine is going to be like in Imola or rain. Rain at Imola is oh, always exciting. imagine that. Right? I don't think I can. I, I don't think I've ever seen Imola in the wet, to be honest. Yeah, I can't I remember it. Maybe 2004? I don't know. Anyways, no? uh, don't don't count me on it. Button but had pole there in the BA yeah, yeah. Honda, I remember. So um, we're going to be dancing, uh, the rain dance, because there'll be some excitement. Mm-hmm. And we shall return after the race. Um, if, like I said before, you have any questions or feedback that you want to throw at us, please... Remember to follow us on our social media, our Instagram, which is at Formules and One Jackass, and our Twitter, which is at Formules and One. So give us a follow, give us a shout, and who knows, we might feature your question our next episode. Topic, question, whatever it is, send it in. And yeah, look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you guys are as excited as we are for, you know, the San Marino Grand Prix or whatever it's called. So So thanks everyone for listening again and remember to keep washing those hands. Keep washing them hands. Bye now.